When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Betches Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Vegisa Podcast, where C-SPAM needs the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Happy International Women's Boxing Day, everyone. A phrase that I think Elise is solely responsible for coining in today's <laughs> newsletter. But the, the International Women's Day was, was woman in yesterday. It was oppressive. Yeah, I, 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 every corporation on earth emailed me to let it's me know so that funny. they appreciate. What was the wildest one? Um, oh my gosh. Honestly, I like sent them all to spam because it was such just kind of like an overwhelming amount of uh ads, content, etc. Um, it's kind of interesting that International Women's Day has just become like a way for brands to try to sell you shit. It is. I feel like that I, happened um... really fast over the past two years. Yeah, I I think my favorite was a a Delta TikTok that showed all their female pilots, flight yeah. attendants, desk agents. It's just <laughs> all like of women fly fly women or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. I, exactly. Like those ones just feel patronizing because it's like literally we're fifty percent of the population. Like the issue is not there's not enough of us in existence. Like yes, good job highlighted. It's like the issue is the representation in the pay and the leadership. And yeah, it was just crazy. Somebody told me they got like a discount on a mouth guard. <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah. I sure. saw some subject lines with just like such such minimal effort that literally were like, "Yay, women! Yay, ladies!" Well, that's what Black people have been feeling. Well, I feel like also we're talking about how in the past two years um, we've been seeing like this corporatization of women's history. I feel like that has happened for Black History Month, for Hispanic Heritage Month. And then now, as we're talking about Juneteenth being a federal holiday, mm-hmm. like last year and the year before was the first time that like, there were like Juneteenth sale. You know what I mean? That's so crazy. Yeah. It's really like late stage capitalism. It's a big discussion uh, around pride too. And like corporate sponsorships of pride floats and like... I know that pink washing is usually just a, is a term specifically for like breast cancer awareness month, but I feel like we see it like every single 
social justice cause that has like a month or a time, mm-hmm. it gets co-opted by brands to ostensibly align themselves with this cause. But it's like, I know in the, around the pride discussions, a lot of times if you actually look into like, like whatever, like Citibank will have a pride float. But then if you look into yeah. what kind of campaigns these corporations donate to in their day to day, it's like, okay, but you support causes that are actually against this. The thing, my favorite campaign for Women's Day popped in my head as we were speaking. And you know me with my, if I don't say it really quickly, but of <laughs> course it? it was the NFL celebrating International Women's Day when they are notorious for sweeping trigger warning, mm-hmm. domestic violence, and sexual assault cases under the rug. They do not treat women well at that company at all. No. Like, low women leadership. And also, like, almost every team has a scandal with their cheerleaders and how they treat their cheerleaders. So that was one of the ones to me when I saw that they were doing International Women's Day stuff. I was like, you have got... It's literally like when a Republican writes a Martin Luther King Day tweet. It's like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah, you're you're right, Elise. I think pride is sort of like the origins of this where finally people are getting skeptical of like real quick about the corporate taking over of International Women's Day. It's kind of got the same like rainbow, rainbow washing effect. Yeah. It's also just they're always like, I I, I should have done this yesterday, but I I really do think that a lot of these emails just went through chat GPT. <laughs> they were like, spit out the most tepid, like embrace of equality that means absolutely nothing. Like I was just walking around, like literally on Fifth Avenue, they just all had their easel, easels that were like, yay, women. And it made me, it made me feel some type of way. And we'll be having to deal with this throughout the month. But you know, we have today, like most days, a very woman-focused show. We will be discussing women's rights and, of course, women's wrongs, as Millie likes to say. <laughs> we will start, of course, with You Heard It Here Second. So by now, you have absolutely heard kind of story of the week that Walgreens is in hot water over appearing to capitulate to the demands of 21 Republican attorneys general to stop dispensing medication abortion. I um, waited until today to really dive into this story, and I ended up being more confused than I was uh, because there really is... They have no strong legal basis for this, and there's really no reason why Walgreens needed to cause this for themselves unless this is just there's somebody high up there who hates abortion. So in a number of the states, of these 21 states where Republicans attorneys general said no medication abortion, please, abortion is legal. But some of those states, they may also have state laws against allowing pharmacies to dispense abortion medication. So I assume in those cases, you just have to go to your doctor or to a clinic. But there's a conflict here because at the federal level, the FDA has authorized pharmacies to dispense this medication. And there is a wide relief legal principle that federal law preempts the states. But Republican AGs are exploiting that conflict right now and the legal uncertainty and trying to scare scare pharmacies into not providing these medications. There are a few elaborate arguments that they have, but because they don't have a very focused or surefire argument, it was pretty surprising that Walgreens made its announcement while other chains are kind of like waiting it out. So what specifically did these attorneys general threaten? Well, one thing they threatened was specifically to, uh, to prosecute Walgreens under the Comstock Act, which is a 19th century anti-vice law, which stipulates that you can't send drugs that could cause an illegal abortion through the mail. So we're we're flexing the Comstock Act. Kansas voted in 2023 
by referendum to protect abortion rights in the Constitution, but their AG is arguing he's looking back for an 1873 law to prohibit sending indecent materials through the mail. And this guy, he's got a long history in Kansas, but he tried to be governor, I think, again, and he did not win. So he's just like trying to run the state anyway. Yeah, I mean, it is really like sick is the exact word I was going to use that like the voters can go to the polls and say, we want to protect abortion. The voters can go to the polls and say, we don't want this man in charge of what happens in Kansas. But because he is the attorney general and he has the powers vested in an attorney general, he's just going to do whatever he wants anyway. Like it's the will of the people is being subverted on a really serious issue. And it's interesting because the whole conservative argument, I mean, it was a Mm -hmm. fake argument because what they actually wanted was to ban abortion, but their fake argument was it should go to the states. And it went to the fucking states and Mm -hmm. they've chosen Mm -hmm. a couple of times. So it's really like it is alarming that basically one anti-abortion activist in state government can force the hand of a giant company. I mean, I don't actually believe they were forced. I think that they made a pretty weird choice here, but it is like alarming to see that someone can still basically put an uh, uh, abortion restrictions in place without actually going through the electoral process or going to the people to do it. Another thing that sticks out to me is like people did vote for this and they're trying to find loopholes, but now it's like this 1873 law is just indecent materials. Mm -hmm. So with through the mail. So like by that definition, Everything can be fucking indecent, right? Like getting a flyer from a church is it, you know, or like, I don't know, um, spam mail is indecent or like, or it's like, what are people sending nudes via the mail? Like, exactly. What is yeah. happening? You know, it is, it's, and then it's also like, again, um, you know, the Supreme Court is like, oh yes, let's leave it up to the States. But again, I don't even like to say like Republican hypocrisy because they're supposedly the party of small government, but in any chance they have, they will mm-hmm. completely override the will of the people and they don't give a fuck about Yeah, like, they wanna want to go into your Walgreens account. Like talk about yeah. big government. And also I will say they want to go to your Walgreens account and also Walgreens they're a corporation. Like they could have just done the cowardly thing of not saying anything. Like the right thing would be like, we will stand, we will stand with women in international women's month and fucking, you know, do what's right and do whatever that, that could have been like, that's the right thing to do. The cowardly neutral thing to do is to not say shit, but they're doing this other fucking thing, which makes me think again, like y'all were saying, that somebody up there hates abortion um, of like no towing to like, and like, again, there are a lot of States that abortion is still legal at. So it's like, what are you, what are we even doing? And now you're going to harm for like 21. But that's the thing. It's like Republicans are small in numbers, but loud and being annoying as hell. Yeah. And then it's like, what is the counter thing? You're supposed to go into Walgreens and be like, protest to support getting abortion like it doesn't make sense well it's also interesting because again just going into like 
Republican hypocrisy, which there's been like a lot of conversation, especially since like that John Stewart clip came out about like how important mm-hmm. is it to point out hypocrisy? But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right here. It is hypocritical of them not only to be like small government unless it's your body and your reproductive health whatever but also to be like you can't tell corporations what to do when it comes to paying people a living Mm -hmm. wage protecting workers rights to a certain degree Mm -hmm. but you can tell a pharmacy what medication to dispense even in a state where that medication is legal you can tell disney world what to Disneyfy, <laughs> like they're yeah. They're what to totally, say, gay to? Exactly. They're totally, they're totally fine disrupting a business for their own aims. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were people saying that? Tell me more about that John Stewart clip. Where was there a discourse around it that like maybe it's oh, not always? A I think huge it's a, oh interesting. So I think the background is that clip where he's talking to somebody about the main. We'll get back to the Walgreens. The main cause of death for kids is it that one? Yeah, so there's a clip recently where Jon Stewart is talking to, I think he's like a representative of some kind. He's a gun rights advocate, and he basically backs him into a corner where the guy is like, well, we're banning drag shows because it hurts kids. And then he's like, okay, so you can infringe on the First Amendment to save kids, but you can't infringe on the second. And then there's been a lot of discourse around like, is it, actually valuable to prove that Republicans are hypocritical on these issues. What is that actual value? Um, Because they don't actually care. And is it kind of just something that like liberals like to engage in to like pat ourselves on the back? My personal feeling is like, obviously, they don't care about being hypocrites. But I do think there is a value to laying bare the thought process here. And voters do do care. Voters do care. And also, I think it provides a model for people to have these conversations with people in their day to day life. Like if I were to go and have a similar conversation with a relative of mine who maybe has the same beliefs as this person, I could see how that plays out on a really high level. Like it kind of Mm -hmm. makes a model. So... I don't know. I think people like to just poo-poo things and be like, you like the clip? Well, guess what? Nothing has yeah. actually changed. Yeah. And I'm like, well, right, I don't think right. Jon Stewart is claiming to have changed, is ever has ever claimed to have like forced the law to change, but he does do this thing really well and he's done it for years and years of like backing some of these people into a corner and kind of showing that like, Their actual stated thought process, like what they use as an excuse, is not the actual thing. What, like, this guy wants to ban drag shows not because he's actually concerned about children, he wants to ban them because he does not like gay people. And when you back them into a corner on these hypocrisy things, it shows. I think the underbelly of it, which is like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're the reasoning isn't sound, and it's because that's not actually the reasoning. The reasoning has nothing to do with kids. It has to do with your own hatred for LGBTQ people. And I think the hypocrisy too, or like that whole discussion was also about the role of comedy in it. Like, is it valuable for people to make, I mean, people have made 
Stephen Colbert, John Stewart have made entire careers on calling out, um, and so have we. But <laughs> I think also too, when you reveal the underbelly, like Elise was saying, and providing that model, it's like there are there are people who may be moderate or you know who who want to support Republican policy and stuff. But like, if you get a Republican politician to say, instead of like, Oh, I'm thinking about children. I'm thinking about protecting children, but instead, instead like can get them, you know, backed in the corner to be like, no, I just hate gay people. Then that, you know, that also might illuminate and make it more, uh, clear for somebody Mm -hmm. who maybe isn't into politics that much, but, is gay and it's like, well, I'm gay, but I don't want big government. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm not going to vote for this policy or this person who thinks all gay people are wrong or all black people are criminals. Or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's also another value in this discussion totally. that people. Yeah. The people, yeah. I think people dramatically, um, overestimate just like the civics education in this country. And even seeing mm-hmm. a pretty simple catch of hypocrisy is really effective for people. I mean, I see, I, I'm the one looking at the analytics and I think it's not effective in making Republicans think more critically about their views, no. but I think it is important to do to sort of like, like Elise said, you made a great point for like showing people, it can be really jarring when somebody says something so authoritatively to sort of be like, okay, but this, and to sort of see somebody do that and how honestly with Republicans effortless it can be to just point out like their, their lack of logic that, yeah, I think it has an, an impact for sure. Yeah, I think just seeing it articulated makes a big difference. It's not, again, it's not going to take a staunch Republican and turn them into like a crusader for the LGBTQ community. But there are, I think there is a value in laying bare what is going on, pushing people on this process. And I think the internet is just very like, Anytime you see like a clip that's being praised, there's going to be a million people who are like, actually, the clip is bad because Always. it's and for them, I say, touch grass. Absolutely. Reply, well, yeah, guys. Touch- Find something else yeah. to do. Well, I think for me, too, just really quickly is like um, when we call out hypocrisy or like the actual way that these people use these arguments. I think it's helpful, you know, specifically Michael Hobbs work on this with uh, anti-trans stuff, but it's just also like really, really important to see like the, the way that they create arguments because this is all recycled Mm -hmm. and it's all been done before, but they change in, they literally have a formula and they change in the, 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 the proper noun. And then they put in instead of this women, it's gay people instead of, you know, so so I think a lot of people, again, and they take this thing that people fear and stuff. So I also like hearing and understanding that like everything that is happening is a cycle. And now it's like these little, you know, like, again, like now we're talking about abortion pills and this and that before it was like, you know, Republican attorney generals with gay marriage. And, you know, there's always just something where people try to get away on technicalities and stuff. And it's just a good reminder one in in like the whatever pessimistic way or whatever of like it's a good reminder this is all happening again and then two in my bleeding heart liberal optimism way it's also like we've overcome that and it's been moved on to another thing and we can like overcome this yeah
Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Back to Walgreens and their hypocrisy. So, <laughs> like we said, they are they are they're basically citing all of these reasons, these attorney generals, why they think that Walgreens can't dispense this medication. And Walgreens is very much trying to be like, oh, poor us, we're in such a bad position, we can't understand the legal certainty. But uh, some of the justifications here are pretty crazy. Like that Kansas AG. Also, I said he was formerly the governor. I was wrong. He was formerly the secretary of state, but he caused a lot of trouble and made a lot of people mad there. I think specifically with like immigration and education. Like a lot of people just don't like this guy. And like Elise said, specifically said, we don't want you running this part of our state anymore. So he also said that Walgreens couldn't dispense the drugs based on a law that used to exist in Kansas that you had to like be in the same room as their doctor. That doesn't even exist anymore. They're also saying you can't, you also can't dispense this in Iowa, which does permit pharmacies to dispense abortion drugs. And still Walgreens just said, okay, while these other chains have sort of just not really said that much. 
According to IRS records reviewed by the newsletter Popular Information, Walgreens has donated about $80,000 directly to the Republican Attorney General's Association since 2020. They've also donated uh, quite a bit to Republicans running for Congress. And there's like, if you read that newsletter, there are some other like anti-abortion connections. Obviously, after this happened, there was a lot of calls to boycott Walgreens, uh, specifically in California. Governor Gavin Newsom said he was done with Walgreens. And what that means practically is that he said he would not renew the state's $50 million contract with the pharmacy. And that contract is what that pays for is prescriptions for inmates and I believe others that are in state care. Walgreens yearly makes about $130 billion. I know I was telling you guys, you know, today, like, yes, boycott Walgreens, but also like I'm so sick of having to like do really inconvenient <laughs> things <laughs> just just because my rights aren't acknowledged. Anyway, thoughts about this this story, the reaction? Well, first of all, Walgreens is dumb as fuck. I can't believe they're simping so hard for Republican attorney generals. Right. And that's, that is exactly what they're doing. Thank you for saying simping. that plainly because that is simping. what they are doing. But also I'm just like, okay, they gave $80,000. Like $80,000 is probably when you combine my student loan debt and my credit card debt. It's just like $80,000 life changing for Millie Tamaris and maybe some of the other people on sub. But $80,000 for $130 billion? Uh, yeah. It's not, doesn't make any sense why they're simping this hard for people that they don't even fucking. Okay, if you're giving millions and millions of dollars to this organization, you want to keep them happy, whatever. But like, it just seems like crazy. And also, reason two why Walgreens is dumb as fuck was that they were one of the main people who gave Elizabeth Holmes money for her stupid blood test. That's what you I know said what? in the newsletter, Walgreens, too. Walgreens, like, dumb as fuck. Great minds. I know. I was like, oh, from the people who brought you in-store Theranos boxes, we now have this. I mean, my thought is just, it is really interesting to me because it's not like any of the other pharmacies have come out and been like, we will dispense this medication. They're nope. just not saying anything. So for Walgreens to make the decision that it's going to come out and say this and basically align itself with the anti-abortion movement and these like red state attorney general actors, there has to be an ideological like impulse behind that because based on what every other soulless corporation is doing, the move is to not say shit until <laughs> you like the, the, uh, there are actually tricky legal things that are going on here. Um, but I think having the backing and support of the actual U S federal government is a pretty big, uh, plus for dispensing these medications. Yeah. So for Walgreens to say something and literally publicly come out in this way, there's something else behind that decision because they did not have to do that. I am sure that Rite Aid, CVS, all these other places got the same threatening letter. So it's I, I don't understand outside of that there is someone at the top who supports exactly. not dispensing these medications, why they would put themselves at the forefront of all of this. Absolutely. Yeah. Because 
like you said, people that have like moved forward with changing their prescriptions, it's hard enough to do it the first time. They're not going to change it back. They have sort of tried to do some damage control here saying like, we will do what is legally permissible. But again, that's meaningless because we don't know what their interpretation, whether they're taking the state's interpretation of what's legally permissible or or the federal government. I'm also a little bit confused. And if you know, please let me know, like, what is this timeline? Like, when did the Biden administration say like starting this date, you can get like, well, there's all this future tense that I'm a little confused about. And I know that's a privilege of not needing abortion pills in any of those states, but it's like, what's happening right now? What, why do you keep saying will? How are people like, I'm not really sure when this goes into effect or what kind of time this refers to about when this is going to happen. I mean, it's also happening as, I don't think that this is uh, connected necessarily in terms of that timeline, but we also are still waiting for that Texas judge that's appointed by Trump to make a determination about whether whether he, a non-doctor, thinks that the FDA should not have approved Mifepristone. So there's really just quite a lot of activity around medication abortion and, you know, businesses having to interact with this again. And um, I'm glad people are talking about it. It feels like it's been a bit of a slow, like anytime I dig into abortion news since Dobbs, I'm like, I can't believe this is where we are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really upsetting. And it's also like, again, just going to the like, why did Walgreens do this of it all? It, they have a ready-made excuse, as you said, to just be like, we're not saying anything on this issue because nothing has been decided. Literally every yeah. other pharmacy has done that. And I also just like, I feel like Walgreens has more money than Kansas. Like, I just feel like, But I guess you they're know, besties. Just pro bono. Yeah, I just feel like I'm like, can Walgreens not take on a suit from Kansas? Like, Walgreens has a lot of fucking money. They're a billion-dollar company. But now they're, they have run afoul of California, which is actually, like, nearly the fourth largest economy in the world. Yeah. So the thing, they don't that's the thing have about more blue states. Big-ass economies. I know. So yeah. I'm like, I don't think that Walgreens has more money than California. But I do think that they have more money than Kansas. Mm-hmm. So I'm... Absolutely. It's confusing... The, it's the also thought just, process. It's so dystopian. I mean, you said this over Slack earlier today, but it's like, okay, California, you can find somebody else to medicate the inmates that you forced to fight fires. Like, there's no heroes here. There are no heroes. CVS is not a hero. CVS also helped cause the fucking opioid epidemic. Like, I'm sorry, we're, unless you're going next door for your pharmacies, it's not great. It's not great. Well, those are. Well, my local pharmacy sucks too. They always <laughs> make me. They're like, what are you here for? And I'm like, Lexapro, you <laughs> asshole. I'm just kidding. There were no good pharmacists. Even the ones, You're going to hear from some, Millie. You are going to hear from some, I promise. Well, I'm just saying, their hours, the, the local pharmacy people close at 5 p.m. every goddamn day, and they always make me freaking reorder my, I'm just saying, I try to support stressed. local. I know. There's, yeah, exactly. <sighs> All right, now. Now that we've spent quite a lot of time discussing women's rights, let's discuss their wrongs. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you're up again. Once again, the first female governor of Arkansas has rolled back protections against child labor. The the Youth Hiring Act is what this is called. The Youth Hiring Act will get her signature soon. So specifically, 
This law eliminates requirements for the state to verify the age of children younger than 16 before they can get a job. Previously, they would have had to get an employment certificate from the government certifying their age, their proposed work schedule, and that they have their parents' consent. Her governor says that that was burdensome and obsolete. The obsolete is pretty interesting given that this is happening Mm -hmm. two weeks after the Department of Justice fined a food sanitation company a million and a half dollars for really serious child labor violations in factories all across the country, including there were two cases in Arkansas. This shit is just evil. Yeah. First of all, like um, a lot of we they talk a lot about these migrant caravans and how unaccompanied minors and separation, all this shit. But what the like down the road, what's happening is that a lot of these kids come to America, their families send them to America alone and they're liable to pay fucking rent, which even somebody who's in their 30s, like we talk about all the time, have trouble fucking paying their rent. So now these kids are like working at 14 years old, 15 years old, cleaning, cleaning machinery, like dangerous, dangerous things. And they are, they don't speak the language and they're being taken advantage of. And again, like something like certifying their age, proposed work schedule and parents consent. These are not complicated things. These are you're like, you would think that you're asking fucking companies to like, whatever, but it's like for your period information, perhaps. Exactly. Like you should certify someone's age and then give them a work schedule because many places, if you're under 16, under 18, you can't work. Like you can't work over a certain amount of time because your priority should be school. Like it should be basic school. But again, this is what Republicans want. They don't want people educated. They want people doing hard fucking labor. They're literally rolling back shit that we've had. Like so many things like does the t-shirt factory fire like not me? This is crazy, but it's also just, it's just crazy because this is also a huge, um, when we talk about, specifically Latin support for Republican candidates. Like this is a, a issue that disproportionately affects Latino youth because a lot of the, a majority of the children working in these factories are from Honduras, Guatemala, Mexico, you know? And it's just like, it's just really interesting now that in one, in one week, She's like, no Latinx. And then another week she's like, oh, um, <laughs> actually 14-year-olds can come and work in our factories and we don't have, you know, it's just so evil. Um, and again, she can't dress. Mm. Well, that's what I said. That was my first reaction was that, I mean, this tracks for me since she clearly hires a toddler to do her makeup. <laughs> it's roasted. Civility alert. That was, that was civil. We just discussed using that joke on morning announcements, but I was like, it needs context. So I'll bring it to set. <laughs> um, I, well, I agree with everything that Millie was saying. And I really, I think it's really important to highlight that they, there was just an expose that came out about how many young Latino kids from like Central American migrant kids are being found working in dangerous conditions. Those are the kids that she is like those are the kids that are going to be affected by this right like a young white kid who's getting their first job whose parents know the laws and whose parents know what's right and whose parents will probably like go yell at their boss if they don't give them time off and shit like that like that 
that kid is not going to be affected by this. But these kids mm-hmm. who come here either without parents or mm-hmm. with parents who are undocumented and therefore like can't make themselves known to the system or don't know about the system. Those are the kids who are going to get caught up in this. They're going to be the ones that are doing, again, intense labor in factories, contracting jobs. Like, and this expose that came out talked about how, like, you irreparably damage their educational future by having Mm -hmm. a kid working a fucking factory job when Mm -hmm. they're either supposed to be in high school and not going or they're kind of going to high school. But how the fuck can you pay attention in high school when you're also working a grueling factory job? Like you're not going to get an education. You're not going to learn. You're not going to like, I don't know, like a kid who actually goes through high school and learns about how this country works will probably be a better advocate for themselves. As shitty as some of our public school (laughs) civics education is, if they're actually able to be dedicated to that, like the way we've seen with a lot of these dreamer kids and stuff, they can become activists for their own selves. But if they're prevented from going to school, learning how shit works here because they work in a fucking factory, then, you know, it's just exploitation on exploitation on exploitation. And it goes back to an issue that's been at the heart of this like migrant situation, which is, the like false narrative of they're taking our jobs because like these are jobs that most Americans don't want and that we actually mm-hmm. do need done. And we've actually created this shadow economy that's based on paying adults and apparently children pennies for this really vital work in all these different situations. So it just exacerbates all of that. It's unbelievably cruel and bizarre um, for someone from a party that's all freaked out about kids going to see a drag queen or kids mm-hmm. Yeah, they can't see a drag show, but they can work at the meatpacking right. plant. Yeah. yeah, but you can be a roofer. You can like, yeah, you what, can't it, have, you can be can't a have roofer, that in the library. You can have but... a gun. Yeah, you can have a gun. You can be a roofer. God forbid. Guys, we're pointing out hypocrisy do... again. <laughs> Whatever. God forbid you see someone doing fucking Dolly Parton drag. Um, yeah. This is the thing is that this is when you talk like, and this is why I will stand up for calling out Republican hypocrisy, but it's just like, when you see the vision that these people have for our country, it's so bleak and it's so gross. They want a country where public education, like only rich people can go to school. They want a country where if you don't work your, if you do not provide value quote unquote to this country by working 70 hours a week to the bone you should not you should not eat you should not have a place to live like this is what they want like you know i constantly think about like what is their what is their end goal and you just see it from their actions from the laws that they pass they don't want anything to change they want to make things go backwards and they want they want people who, because this is the thing too, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. When do you think she had her first job? Daughter of Mike Huckabee. Like this bitch was not working at sixteen. Well, and she wasn't working on a roof. She wasn't working any hard labor. 
Yeah. Well, I think the other thing that this exposes, I mean, two additional things before we have to move on are that one, I think there's an implicit acknowledgement that families in Arkansas can't survive without their children working. Like I think that the people that she wants to alleviate this burden for are families who need their 15-year-olds to work because they can't afford a living in this country. And two, like you said, Elise, it's like these are jobs that of age immigrants to this country could do. But because they're the party that refuses to set up a pathway to, I mean, it's a, it's a huge crisis in this country that we don't have enough of age people to do these jobs, which is also uh, contributing to forcing kids into them. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. We'll now pivot to a lighter segment. Women who are thriving this week. We're going to be doing this all at Women's History Month. We're going to start with uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. <laughs> she's, she's girl bossing. She's defying gender stereotypes. She's doing that. So who is thriving this week is Shalonda Young. She is the office, the director of the Office of Management and Budget, which is like a huge White House job. Um, basically she's charged with managing the budget and federal spending. Why is she thriving? Because her team has been working to put together the Biden administration's proposed budget, uh, which you might see a lot of headlines, a lot of the administration trying to hype this up this week. What it would do is it would cut the deficit by a projected $3 trillion over the next decade by taxing a shitload of billionaires and ultramillionaires. It also includes higher capital gain taxes and ending the carried interest loopholes. We love all that. Not only did she pull this off, but she really over-delivered. Biden had promised uh, that he would propose a budget to reduce the deficit by two trillion, but Young was able to find opportunities to pitch three trillion. So this, of course, is not what the ultimate budget will look like. This is the Biden administration's pitch saying that if we could do whatever we wanted, this is what we would do. What do you think? And uh, now we wait for Republicans to share their budgetary vision for America. But Shalonda Young is thriving. I really hope that she gets to take a load off this weekend. We got to talk to her one of the times we went to the White House and she was my favorite. She's just incredible. Yeah. And this budget, I mean, it is really cool. And it's really interesting because it like a lot of the stuff that they're making up for is deficit that was created by the fucking Trump tax cuts. So mm-hmm, like 2017. Yeah. It like increased the deficit by a lot. So it's, it's very much like a, your move Republicans. Cause here, this is like a thought out budget that does all of these good things. It like 
helps keep Social Security solvent for like another 25 years, which is huge. And I mean, obviously, Mitch McConnell's already like, it won't see the light of day and like, whatever. Well, Mitch but... McConnell ain't walking, so. <laughs> He's down for the count. And that's He's all we're going to say. He's down for the count, baby. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it might be a bit, might be a bit for that. <laughs> they also are still figuring out the... um. They're still, we're going to hit the debt ceiling any moment, but this is Biden's proposed vision. They're going to, like Elise said, it's kind of a, like your move. Um, this is going to be a time where basically he's going to get a really high return on his spontaneous kind of state of the union takedown where he appeared to get the room to agree that social security uh, would not be on the table. I expect Republicans to pay attention to that one though, because he's going to raise taxes above people earning $400,000 and those people don't think they're rich. So you're going to hear from yeah, them and depending on where you live, you know, you might not be the richest, but. Definitely 1%. They'll be fine. Okay, Fleshman is in trouble. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. aye, aye, All right. Aye. Who is thriving next? Mandy Matney is thriving. I included her on our Instagram version of this because she, this happened on Friday. This is a carryover from last week. But if you don't know who she is, she has been investigating Alex Murdoch long for years. Like, I really think this all happened because of her. There's like probably a hundred episodes just going so deep into every single layer of this story of what happened to Mallory Beach and Paul and Maggie and Alex Owen scandals. Like, I got really into it a couple years ago and then. Um, kind of like hop back up, you know, with this all finally happening. But I think that it's really hard to make a case that she didn't have a lot to do with getting the prosecution to actually take a lot of these things seriously. So I just can't imagine how this feels for her. She's been working so hard for so long and anyone involved with taking that motherfucker down. Great. Rode too much privilege for too long. So you do recommend listening to that podcast? I mean, it's so long. Like, yeah, from the beginning, you could. If you've watched the... I need to find out if she was involved in the documentary. I'm basically just like want to give her credit because a lot of people yeah. are hyping the Netflix documentary. I'm not sure if she was involved, but even if mm. she wasn't directly involved, they definitely got it from her. Yeah, listen to it on 2x speed and it's great. It's just like great to have back. And she just goes down like every single I, – I didn't care as much about the financial crimes one. I more wanted yeah. like, you know, the the scandal of it all. But um, yeah, Mandy Matney is thriving. Who else is thriving? Commerce Secretary at G Commerce Secretary Gina Raimundo. Why? Because a new Senate bill aimed at defending against the Chinese government interfering with our national security via TikTok would basically empower her to ban it. Uh, there's a lot of bills going around right now about TikTok. I'm sure you guys have seen them, but basically she could make the determination and sort of provide like, here are the national security threats right now. I am going to ban TikTok. And you know, honestly, like I think she could kind of make that argument like now. So uh, there's there's reasons to believe that that would basically, you know, functionally empower her to restrict TikTok at any time. There was a pretty intense congressional hearing on this yesterday with a lot of senators saying, why do we let people have this app? Um, it's definitely, I mean, Gina Raimondo is thriving. It's definitely a tricky time for Democrats because TikTok's a super important app for liberals. I mean, there's a lot of conservative points that take off on it too. But, you know, if we're looking at a 2024 where Biden's student loans didn't work out and TikTok is gone, I don't feel good about that. No. Um, but also China did send two different big ass balloons full of cameras to mm -hmm. look at our country. So I'm sure they're probably going through that TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I just assume it's like sunk up. It's fine. For me to have the the rush of a for you page. It's okay. Yeah. I, it's People listening are like, Amanda, it's not okay. It's interesting because I do use TikTok and I find things I like on TikTok, but I yes, also am scared of TikTok. And I do mm -hmm. think these 
questions that are being raised about like the data being mined on all of us from TikTok and where it's going are real questions. But it mm-hmm. also feels wild to say let to think to actually think about like a TikTok ban being implemented and what that would like mean and be and how that would like be right responded to, how many to people- by the youths. I mean, to think how many people, it's very silly because I still do have friends that are not on TikTok. And it's like people have made entire careers, become millionaires, maybe even billionaires just from that platform who some smartly have diversified and realized that that platform could go at any time. Many have not. So yeah, it would be very, very interesting. It would dramatically change uh, the balance of my day. (laughs) Yeah. I like, I really try to challenge myself. Like sometimes I'll open the app and be like, 10 minutes, million. Yeah. 10 minutes. And I don't know. And then now that my TikTok knows that I'll watch a five-part Judge Judy episode <laughs> on TikTok or somebody- Outsmarted you. Yeah. Somebody who's went on a bad date or is building, a remodeling their kitchen, bitch, I'm watching. Yeah. So there's not, you know, the Chinese government, I don't know what they want with that information, but I don't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Millie- You are among the next group of people thriving, which are single women. Not only are unmarried women more likely than unmarried men to own homes, which came out in a study recently, but they've now overtaken unmarried women to make up the majority of the female population. I think over 50, maybe 15 or 18 in the U.S. So 52% of American adult women or are unmarried versus 48% who are. And that's sort of switched about in the last like 20 years. It's sort of like been um, inverted. But I mean, this is part of a conversation that I think I want to bring, you know, a, a couple of more voices into just about the rejection of marriage and childbirth in this country and South Korea and China. There's just so much going on right now. I was just reading an article, like literally, I I need to finish it. There's one in the cut about women in South Korea who are basically just being like, we reject all men (laughs) and we're going to create like a female society. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot about what I would do with Mike and the gender war. I'm not sure. I guess I'd protect him. (laughs) You know, I feel like there'll be a private bunker that eventually we'll get to, but you know, I think there have to be a tier for guys, you know, like there's Mm. like one, you know. Right, right. We'll figure it out. Women talking was great. Yeah. (laughs) I suggest watching Women Talking. It's a really great movie. I just watched it this weekend and, or not this weekend, this week. And it was like, wow, this is what a matriarch, you know, this is what we can do with power if women had power. I mean, speaking of women having slightly more power, our second to last women are thriving. These women are thriving working women in Sweden, Iceland, Finland, and Norway because according to the Economist Glass Ceiling Index, this is the best place in the OECD club of mostly rich countries to be a working woman. So a country's performance on this index is measured along 10 metrics. The one most recognizable to me were like the pay gap, parental leave for both parents, the cost of childcare, the educational attainment, and sorry, I'm very tongue-tied today. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> and represented representation in senior management and political jobs. So they have listed 29 countries here. Number one is Iceland. Number two is Sweden. Number four is Finland or number three is Finland and number four is Norway. The U.S. is number 19 out of 29, and that makes us slightly below average. We are between Ireland and the Netherlands. Um, That's cr- good for I wonder Northern too. European women, I guess. Good for, and again, like these are all places that really have thought about Absolutely. what it means to be a working woman and what it means to be a working parent. 
And they have a lot of policies there too that we talk about would be really life-changing for so many women here about like paid childcare and universal childcare and all that. Yeah. To me, it's super interesting. Yes, exactly. To see which the makeup of the four, because a lot of these, these top four countries, Iceland, Sweden, Finland, and Norway, and probably some of these others, you know, because they do offer such generous maternity leave, sometimes employers do anticipate that women will take advantage of it. And women sometimes, even men don't always, a big issue with parental leave is when men, the male partner doesn't take as much as he's entitled to, because you still end up with these mommy penalties. And sometimes that can be even more pronounced in some of the countries where women do have a lot of leave, because everybody knows that. So it's interesting to see that some of these top countries like Iceland and Sweden, I wonder how they've avoided that more than Finland um, and Norway. Who's at the bottom here. Oh, South Korea. <laughs> At first, Korea. the aforementioned Where the women reasons. are rejecting male yeah. society entirely. I'll put this on our stories. I didn't want our chart to be confusing, but you can actually track the differences and some of them have really plummeted dramatically. The ones I noticed did were Israel and Greece went down like quite a lot in just a couple of years. Oh, and, and Hungary went way down. So I'm really surprised matters. to see us above the Netherlands just because I have a friend who yeah, lives in the Netherlands. I, and the men like, are so tall. Well, well also, about? I have a friend who lives in the Netherlands and had a baby this year, and she just ended her maternity leave, which, like, her I think was nine months. The baby is nine months old now, and her husband is starting his paternity leave. So I'm just that like, so rad. I know, I'm like, and we're above that. Yeah, there's something really interesting about this ranking for sure, and I think it's. Yeah, because like Germany, I'm surprised, is is number 22 out of 29, which is lower than I would have expected. I wonder if this is like specifically working women. There are elements here that like might weigh one country against another in an unusual way. But um, yeah, we are not even, we are definitely on the lower end. Yeah, I used to work uh, for j- many Japanese companies and I would have to go to Japan. They're second to last. trips. Exactly. And they're number 28. And like, this does not surprise me at all. It was you know, again, when you get married, so like the way that you got married, Amanda, and you got married, Elise, like you just have to quit your job after you get married. Like the day after your wedding or even before your wedding, you quit your job and become a housewife. Like just waiting for permission, the, Millie. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> but even though the, but again, like the burdens that, cause it's again, like you're, you're not just like sitting at home. You have to make these lunch boxes for your oh, husband yeah. every day and you have to take care of his parents and all this stuff and remind him of all his, you know? And I just remember, I mean, just a little anecdote of being, um, we're at a business trip to Japan and seeing that I was like a mid-level marketing, you know, I was like, mar- like just a little bit above entry level marketing. And there were only like three or four women in my role in a, like a company of like 300, 500 people. And I'm just looking at a floor and then all the women, all the women majority were uh, um, admin assistants, secretaries, uh, executive assistants, and they all had to wear uniforms to work, like an office job. They have to wear uniforms. And I went to my boss and I was just like, hey, like, why do the women, why are they wearing uniforms? And I feel like the men aren't wearing uniforms. And my boss just looks at me confused. He's like, well, they can wear whatever they want on their commute. And that is gender <laughs> politics in Tokyo, Japan. Yeah, so. I mean, that's really, I think that Anne, that's so interesting to consider in terms of this list of working women, because it makes you realize that like, okay, if, if, if a country's culture doesn't prioritize women working, of course, the government's not going to set that up for them. So that probably explains, you yeah. know, why Japan and South Korea are 28, 29. One final 
One, because this just made me smile. Anna Wintour is thriving. Why? Because according to page six, she's not going to have to deal with the Kardashians at the Met Gala. According to a report this morning, she will not be inviting any of the Kardashians to the 2023 Met Gala, which does seem to be a political decision. So I did want to add that breaking headline. That's interesting because, well, it was just such a huge deal when she finally did start inviting them because she has she she's banned them from the Met Gala before then she brought them in and I feel like they've always been like I don't know Met Gala figures ever since I mean Kim (laughs) debuted Kim basically debuted Ozempic by trying to fucking fit into (laughs) this Marilyn Monroe dress so that is interesting yeah that's true that's true that is interesting I fucking support it because you know what? As a fucking Bushwick girl who loves Halloween, none of the Kardashians ever dress on theme for the year. They never, ever, ever do. Again, with the Kim Kardashian, Marilyn Monroe, when it was Gilded Age and she had that big ass with nothing come on. No, ban them. You're not going to respect the theme. Ban them. If you have a theme party and people don't come on theme. Fuck you. You're not invited next year. No, don't beg. Do not ban drag. Ban Kardashians from the Met Gala. And on that note, that is our show. Enjoy your International Women's History Weekend. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.